<laughs> Welcome to Sean Matthews Podcast. Joe, how you doing today? I am not doing too bad for a Monday, my friend. Um, 76, we'll get into it, but 76ers are sort of struggling with the, well, they're up by seven against, against the Pacers. I mean, come on now. So, I mean, but hey, it's basketball. You can't be, you know, you can't be on every night. But anyway, I'm doing good for a Monday, Sean. Can't believe another weekend has passed. Can't believe it's March. But uh, how's it going for you, bro? Good, man. Uh, I'm going to get into those lyrics and then we'll get, the, we'll get going. Is it ready for the lyrics? Show enough. There we go. I packed my bags and I'm heading straight into the storm. Going to be a twister to blow everything down. That ain't got the fate to stand its ground. Blow away the dreams that tear you apart. Blow away the dreams that break your heart. Blow away the lies that leave you nothing but lost and brokenhearted. That's a great song by Bruce Springsteen called The Promised Land from his album from 1978 called The Darkness on the Edge of Town. Joe, what do you think about those lyrics, brother? Those lyrics, look, I've always loved Bruce. There's no there's no two ways about it. Um, I never really scrutinized it. That's one thing about what we do here that makes us scrutinize these lyrics a little tighter. And it really, it's neat because it makes you look at things you just kind of hummed along with. Like, I don't know that you never really thought about it. Uh, I packed my bags and I'm heading straight into the storm. I'm stealing myself. There's no bags being packed, but I'm getting myself ready. I'm stealing myself because I can do this. You know, whatever this is, a new confrontation with someone, a new job, an interview, whatever it is. Um, I'm getting back with 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 a girlfriend that you broke up with or whatever the, whatever the deal is. I'm stealing myself, okay? I pack my bags and I'm heading straight for the storm. Uh, going to be a twister to blow everything down. This is going to be a tough deal. Okay, it's going to be a tough deal. It's nothing to do with the weather, but it's just going to be a tough deal, and I know it. But I finished that, going to be a twister to blow everything down that ain't got the faith to stand its ground. They go together, those two lyrics. Going to be a twister to blow everything down that ain't got the faith to stand its ground. That last part, you better have faith. It's going to, te it's going to test your faith. This is going to test your faith. This is going to be some heavy stuff. Okay, the loss of a loved one, uh, a divorce, uh, like I said, a, a big, a big moment in your life, an interview or, or whatever the case may be. It's going to be big. And I love that the way he follows that, that, that up with I'm going to be redundant here, but I want to read it again. Going to be a twister to blow everything down that ain't got the faith to stand its ground. So if you have the faith to stand your ground, you're going to be all right, kid. You're going to be all right. All right. Blow away the dreams that tear you apart. Blow away the dreams that break your heart. Blow away the lies that leave you nothing but lost. All that's it's going to blow away. They're going to blow away. If you do what he talked about in the aforementioned verses, if you steal yourself, if you have faith, if you remember your faith, if you get your feet, if you prepare, if you have a plan, right? And do all those things. You're going to be all right, kid. You're going to be all right, but you got to do those. And as it, I don't know if it's where it is in the song, but I remember uh, Mr. I and a boy. No, I'm a man yeah, I and I believe in a promised man. That's like so. probably one of my favorite parts of the song. I was going to mm -hmm. choose those lyrics. Yeah. These are your lyrics, by the way. I just really, yeah. I can relate. Um, I love Bruce. You but know. like this, the part is one, I think it's one of the best parts in any song I've ever heard in my life, especially in Bruce's the way Bruce sings it. When mm -hmm. he gets to that blow away part, he puts so much intensity and passion into it. Yes. He's like, blow yes. away the dreams that tear you apart. Blow away the dream. You know, that's my Bruce voice, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> um, the man can sing and the man's got rhythm. The man's got soul. The man's a legendary rock star. And this song is amazing. It really is about facing the storm head on. Um, yep. You know, you have these dreams, you know, 
it, you would think that you're just reading it. It's like blow away the dreams that tear you apart. Are you asking something to blow away those dreams because they don't they don't tear you apart anymore? Are you asking them to blow away the dreams that break your heart? No, you're cleansing yourself. You're going straight into the storm. The storm ain't got nothing on you. Mm-hmm. Um, the your faith is going to overcome that storm. And it's going to blow away the lies that leave you nothing but lost and brokenhearted. All this stuff, it's a its a cleansing. The storm, you're walking straight into the storms. You packed your bags. Uh, the twist is going to blow everything down but your dreams. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a deep, really deep lyrics. But the way he sings it is what makes these lyrics. Because if he just sang it regularly, he puts so much emphasis, emphasis in the saying blow away. And like, yeah. it gets me so fired up when I hear that part. Yeah. And he he does do it uh, um, with a lot of emotion. That's for sure, no question. Yeah, good tune. He, he sings a lot of songs like it's his last song he's ever going to sing. That's what I love about the guy. I mean, he's performing. I think he's the age of seventy four, and he's on a worldwide tour right now. He's in his first leg in just arenas in America. Then he's going to Europe. Then he's coming back and doing stadiums in America. I mean, it's insane. I'm seeing him in Philadelphia in August um, when the Phillies play at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Um, I got. Mm-hmm seats right in the pit uh right in the pit right near the stage it's going to be crazy i mean those seats are going for two thousand dollars at madison square garden he's playing there in april or maybe later this month or early april but those those pit seats right in front of the stage are going for two thousand and he's playing in, in stadiums after the arena portion so the prices are like way down from what that is but um they're pretty coveted seats and i'm pretty pumped up because that's two times i saw him i was pretty drunk i was younger i was in college i didn't appreciate it as much I'm going to be totally locked in for this and just enjoying the hell out of the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's uh, like I said, and I mean, you know me, I love music. I absolutely love music, but I'm not one to go to a whole lot of concerts. I don't believe you have to go to a whole lot. You don't have to do it. You don't, you can love music and know a whole lot about it and enjoy it your entire life and never have gone to even one concert if you don't want to just because you love something doesn't mean you have to to go especially music right because it's recorded doesn't mean you have to go there yeah, and see that oh that's the person that did that song let me stand here and watch yeah, them I just, if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's if it's if it's nice well that's true I, I dig it i dig you have the opposite viewpoint because you're yeah. you're nothing nothing but concerts and, and and i'm cool there is a whole different vibe it is a whole different frequency going on there and and it is cool to go to yeah, anything like, live uh, you, but you it's just you, one of those things that um let me just i just wanted um well go ahead you, you, said, you, like, got me. you said when you go to church you feel special and holy and all that stuff dude when you go to a concert it's oh, a, i don't feel holy it's but a whole, I, I, I feel cleansed but go ahead it's a whole different level of um of of just communal experience when you're at a concert there's nothing like it i mean you might have had a bad experience when you saw clapton i guess or just wasn't that fun for you but i feel like Anybody who lives there, there's not people, some people just aren't into live music. That's fine. That's the way they are. But there's nothing like live music. When you're there with everybody and you just, they're playing those songs live, it doesn't, you can't emulate what it sounds like at a live concert on any format. I know the speakers are good these days. The AirPods are good these days. It's nothing close. I mean, I watch, I watch a ton of live performances on my, on YouTube, on my TV. It, it's cool, but there's something really lacking. Um, um, just going to live concerts is like the best thing ever. I want to do it the rest of my life till I'm like a hundred years. If I live to a hundred years old, I want to be at concerts the rest of my life. Um, I'm carving it each year. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be at least three concerts a year. Um, it's just something that's a part of me, man. Um, so I feel bad for you in the sense that like, you just don't have the same connection to it. Like you don't feel the same way. Um, right. 
it's like, man, you're missing out, man. But that's, that's just, you know, you have a, your whole different vibe, a whole different person. So I completely respect you, but um, concerts are next level, man. They're next level. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just, and, and it's cool. But my point is you don't have to go to any concerts to, to fully love and enjoy music. You can still enjoy music. Of course. Yes, so big time. Big going time. to a concert takes it to a different level and it's a whole, it's a memory that you created instead of just saying, Oh, what'd you do? I sat at home. I listened to music. I'm like, Oh, that sounds uh, good. How'd you hope you had a good time? But if you say I went to a concert, I had a hell of a time. People are like, well, this guy goes out, he goes to concerts. He's really enjoying his life. So it just gives off a whole different impression as a person, but um, everybody's different. Some people just like to stay in. Some people like to do their routine and that's fine. They don't like to break the mold. They don't like to be around a lot of people. Um, They don't, they don't vibe with it. You know, that's fine, but I'm just, you know, I'm a huge concert guy, man. That's all I'm saying. And you know what too, Shoney, it's the same with sports too. You know, you know how I love uh, the Eagles and I love football and I love, I I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I went to a live like a, a, an Eagles game. I think it was at Vet Stadium. That tells you how long ago it was. It was against the New Orleans Saints, and it was way back. Jim McMahon was the quarterback. I think Kotite was the coach. Um, uh, but I'm dead on the Eagles every Sunday on the TV. I just I just I enjoy you know I enjoy the whole thing from a different perspective and it's just it's just the same way that mo- a lot of people will tell you that yeah there's live music and then there's your your cds and your world used to be cds now it's you know whatever your 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 mp3s or whatever they are now um but the studio version always always sounds better than the live version always 90 95 of the time the studio version sounds better than the live version of any given song Right. That's just the way it goes. I'm not saying that concerts are bad. I disagree completely. I think this, the, the versions oh, think, you hear live oh, are not People like, have no. said that. Most people have said that. Uh, even concert goers have said that. Because the studio version, you get cleaned up and cut and, and produced just perfectly. And a lie, and it's it's done in, in chunks, right? But then when it's live, it's all it's all at the same time, right? It's all, all together and it's uh um you know it's it's it has to it's more difficult for them to do it that way uh it's easier for them to do the studio version everyone comes in and does their own cut but when it gets put together and produced it's it's just tremendous but it's just one of those things it differs it's uh, but but uh how do we start this bruce if you're going to see bruce yeah. it's never a bad move <laughs> yeah. um, oh but my point was um you're seeing bruce i, I got i strayed from my point um my thing about this is I'm a Rolling Stones fan too, big time, but I, I passed up a couple opportunities in, in the last like decade to go see them because I wanted, if I were going to go see them, I want to see them in their prime. Same kind of thing with Bruce. If you'd have told me in 1978 when this album came out, or, you know, I'd have said, holy smoke, you know, uh, that's a different ball game, you know, so, um, but he, he still delivers a good show. Uh, but he can't give you what he used to give you. The man's the man's older. I've yeah, seen him. I've been watching uh, some live streams. People are putting live streams up on Facebook. I've been checking out some uh, some footage, and the man still got it. You know what I mean? I do miss Clarence, the saxophone. Oh, oh yeah, the but, big uh, man. Yeah, I saw him a couple of times. It's fun. Um, so, did you watch Saturday Night Live on Saturday night, sir? Uh, just one thing while we're talking about music, I just wanted to say this real quickly. The last living member of Leonard Skinner died today, Gary Rossington. He was a co-founder and one of the best guitar players in Southern rock history, I think. And um, RIP Freebird. That's all I can tell you. All right. Next question. Saturday Night Live. 
Yep. I was uh, very impressed. I think Travis Kelsey did a great job. I think I, I really truly believe this and I'm not being facetious, Joe. Um, I think <laughs> after his playing career, this man go can ahead. go to Hollywood and be an actor. I really believe it. Uh, he was that good. Yeah. I, I, I was, I told you I was surprised. Um, because I don't really like the cat too much, but I, it, it dawned on me why I don't like him. Cause he's wearing a red uniform and not a green one. You know, it's just one of the, it's just one. Of, if he were on our squad, I think he was the best thing coming and going, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, I was really, really surprised that I was like, I'm going to watch it, even though I don't like this guy. The, you see his brother in the crowd. Do you have the Eagle? Eagle was in the crowd. Yeah, he he was in yeah, he was in a crowd. He was, he was on a skit yeah. too. His brother was in a skit. So I mean, all right, all right. Let, cool. let, let me let me talk. I know you're trying to be a little more. All right, but just let me let me finish what I'm doing here. All right. Yeah, I saw I, I saw him, and I was really really um, surprised at how he won me over because I'm not crazy about the dude or wasn't crazy about him, but now uh, you know with him doing this and I, I was surprised like wow i guess i really do like this guy even though he's he just beat us too in the super bowl i can't dislike him he's likable you know so i like that and i thought he did a good job in the skits that he was in um and i thought the skits were a little bit funny like a little bit like actually there weren't any really horrendous skits like usually every week sean with this show with this new there's usually one or two that are just like oh my god they're cringeworthy they're so goddamn dumb that it's not even i don't know why they how it got past their you know their checks and everything but um every skit on this show was was pretty funny he did a good job and what I, my takeaway was wow i actually like him more than i did from before it's like you know i i don't dislike him as much and i actually kind of like the cat but go ahead yeah i thought his monologue was very good the monologue might have been the best thing. like all the skits were great but his monologue was very endearing um yeah. he talked about like he's he had a funny line he's like if you smoke weed um and you do this or you drop out and of you school. You do bad at school. Yeah. You could do bad at school and smoke. You know, win, you could win the Super Bowl. I thought that was pretty self-deprecating and funny. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought they did a good job preparing him for the monologue. He didn't look too nervous. It was good. Um, they showed his brother with an angry face and his brother laughing at the very end when he made fun of himself, kind of. Um, that was pretty funny how they did the camera work with that. Yeah. Um, I thought the honestly, the skits that I liked the best, I liked uh I liked the mama's funeral one. That one was fun. that one was funny. Um, the straight friend skit. The straight friend skit was was so funny. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was. That was I. I the straight I friend skit was like hilarious. Like he's like he was because Travis Kelsey plays the straight friend. I thought the part where he's like he tells the guy his friend like his his dad died, and he's yeah. like sad, and then like at, like he's, his dad only died two weeks ago. He's like, oh, sorry, you know, bring that up, and my dad died. And then like he's like at the very end of the skit, he's like, man, sorry for being a pussy and talking about my dad dying. Like that, that was so. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a funny line, but that whole concept, that whole, you with me? Yeah, okay. I'm with, I'm with you. Man. Okay. I I go, it got awful, awful. Um, yeah, that whole, the whole skit though is just a little, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't have any, anything to relate any of that to. So it's just kind of weird, but it was like, it was fun. I took, I took the funny lines as they came here and there, but the, well, whole, concept, see, uh, the whole concept was kind of strange, but go ahead. During the mama's funeral one, um, <laughs> during the mama's funeral one, like he like he, he spent all the family's money. That was supposed to be like the family's money on the, on the funeral, and it was like you know it was pretty funny. It was like Mama's weekend at Bernie's funeral. with an old with an old lady. 
I can't remember the mama's funeral one, although I remember something about it. Uh, Tell dude, me, look, how did it start? Uh, he, he's got, he's kind of got like a man bun. Um, he's got a black <laughs> suit on. He's standing there at the funeral um, talking. And, you know, he says that he was the mother's lover. And the family's like, who is this guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember something about that. Uh, he oh, might, yeah, yeah. might have dozed off or switched. Who real is quick this guy? Get... Who is this guy? Yeah, no, no, no. I remember them saying who is this guy and that kind of a thing. And um, okay, was an African-American family. Yeah, he was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Travis Kelsey's white and like he was way yeah. younger than the lady who died. Yeah, uh, yeah. thought that was well done. Um, I'm sorry. Abby, the ex-girlfriend, uh, was pretty funny. Um, he's like, we went on one date. And she's like freaking out, and she has like the, the, the they have the water coming out of her eyes. It looks like there's yeah, tears. Yeah, I like that. Scene. Um, that was a good one. And then his brother was in at the end. His brother turns out to be like her is her girlfriend, her, her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good, man. I mean, I and the self defense one where he's playing like a self defense person, like he just punches the guys in the face. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. It was like hit me. It was like your your typical, you know, what you, it what you weren't expecting that. You were expecting the typical, you know, like the taekwondo instructor showing him how to the, and he says, you know, you know, hit me right here or something like that, and he just boom slugs him. That was funny. What did you funny. think about um the uh, weekend update? Anything stand out to you on that weekend update? Um... No, I don't think anything. It's did always. You, did you like the Dilbert thing? The Dilbert guy was in Dilbert costume. Dilbert costume. Um, yeah, I, I remember you were sleeping a... during this, man. No, <laughs> I, I was not, but I just can't remember a Dilbert costume. I don't know who the hell Dilbert is. I remember a girl <laughs> in, her, in like a tie dye shirt. The girl came out in a tie dye shirt reading her version of the news. I, I remember yeah, I, that. I don't like that Sarah's news thing. I, I don't get it. I mean, it's it's supposed to be like funny and like edgy and stuff. And she's supposed to be like accusatory and like very like aggressive and like just says inappropriate. I, I, I always, I, I, I don't, I don't roll on the floor, but I find it kind of humorous every time that most of the time that she comes out, there's, there's some neat things to say. I think what she does is she, she creates her own headlines based on, you know, based on she'll take something that's that's tiny and she'll expand it and, and exaggerate and make a headline out of it, you know, um, much like it, it's done in some circles. So that's that's the that's the funny part of it. So um, I like that. I always liked the the newscast there. I always liked that weekend update. That's always funny. What do you think about the musical the music? Eh, to be honest with you. It, the ir- irony was that her name was Kelsey. I don't know what her last name was. I thought she was um, very adorable looking because she reminds me of that country singer, that other girl I like called Morris, some kind of a Morris. Oh, yeah, Marin Morris. Marin Morris. Oh, I think she's she's just the cutest thing. And it, this one looked like it could have been her little cousin because it looked just like her. Um, but as far as the music, ugh, nah. I mean, I didn't dislike it terribly, but it was just like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't dig it. Didn't hate it. Didn't dig it though. It was yeah. just there, to be yeah. honest with you. Well, I thought SNL was very good. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm trying to think who next week is. Uh, is there a show next week? You know, I, I just know. Yeah, there's a show. The, I noticed they've been staggering. You know, they well, they, they make took like it... three weeks. They took like three weeks off, but hold on. okay. Um, it took about three weeks off, but I think the season goes until I think. May I think till close to Memorial Day. Oh, so next next episode is Jenna Ortega. She's on a, a Netflix show called Wednesday. Everyone knows her from that, basically. 
Um, musical guests. I actually like the musical guests. The, the night they're called the 1975. I like them. Um, so yeah, that should be a good one. I've heard of the 1975. I can't tell you that I'm that crazy. I, I don't know. I can't, but I've heard of that group, the 1975, because I thought to myself, yeah, I was around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, but I was pleasantly surprised at this that A, the skits were decent. He did a real good job. The uh, the monologue was pretty cool. And he's a kind of a likable guy. I know if, if I could get together with him and his brother, I'm sure we'd have a hell of a time, <laughs> but uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's a good show. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you agree that you think Kelsey's got an acting, you know, after he retires, you think this guy can go to Hollywood? And, you know, he, he's got, he's got that, that in him, it seems like. And he's, yeah. you know, he, it, it does. I, I think he's, I think I can see him right along. Look, if the rock did it and people like that, I mean, why couldn't he, you know? Really? Well, The Rock was a—he was a sports entertainer, so he was already acting. He was all—it was all fake, you know, wrestling. It's a good point well, that he was like, already almost, acting. Yeah. So, like you know, he had yeah. a head start kind of. Or Kelsey just had Kelsey has that natural ability to just transition because, like, you know, well, yeah. OJ OJ Simpson would turn out to be like a, a psychotic killer, obviously. Um, if he was so beloved and able to like be this famous actor, he was pretty successful in Hollywood for a little bit there. He was in. He was in like the Naked Gun movies and stuff. I mean, OJ had a couple big roles. Yeah, and maybe The Rock was the wrong example, but there have been numerous people um, that have come before Kelsey that, to, to go from athletics into acting. And he seems like he fits that mold. That, that The transition for him will not be that difficult. And, I, you know, to do what he did, I mean, that's live stuff too, dude. I mean, that's really, I mean, acting is like, well, we're going to film this. and but That's live stuff, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to say uh, we did Wallace Shawn last episode and I was during the show, I was reading a Reddit thread because he had one of those ask me anything. And Wallace Shawn was like answering questions from fans. I thought he said that he was doing, he was currently filming my dinner with Andre too, but I read it again. I was mistaken. He was actually making a joke that he was having uh, my dinner with Andre too in that current conversation that they're having that online message board conversation on Reddit. So that's, that's, he was making a joke like this is because that dinner with Andre oh, okay. was a full conversation at dinner. So I, I quickly read it during the show and got excited. I'm like, oh, they're making a, t- a second one. But it was just Wallace Shawn being facetious and funny. They're not making a, um, my dinner with Andre too, at least to my knowledge. But, right. it was, you know, just wanted to clarify that real quick. Um, I saw a movie yesterday called Operation Fortune, uh, Ruse de Guerre. It's like some weird French thing next to it. Um, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, you know, Jason Statham's in it. He's a big action star. Aubrey Plaza's in it. She's not really known for action, but I guess she's trying to carve her little niche out. This guy Richie has tends to have funnier type action movies. Uh, Carrie Ells, he's more known for like I think he's known for like The Princess Bride or something uh, from the '80s. That's that's a, while Sean was in that too. But um, Hugh Grant was in it. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Um, I honestly, it was one of those like spy special agent movies that it's like really confusing and you don't know what the heck's going on unless you're really locked in. And I was trying to stay locked in, but it was confusing me. I knew they had to do something like someone's the bad guys stole something. And then the special agents had to go in, like, you know, to get this back from the bad guys. You Grant played the bad guy. I thought the best part of the movie was Josh Hartnett. He played an actor, a real Hollywood actor called Danny Francisco. And they could have done a lot more with it because there was such like there's a lot of potential to like make that more than it was because he was really like, you know, he was a Hollywood actor who was helping real special agents like infiltrate this like bad guy. And so he had to befriend you, Grant, and like get close to him or whatever. 
Um, so I thought that was cool, but in terms of the movie, I was like, eh, I give the movie a uh, 5.8 and, you know, 5.8, I think is fair from, from my perspective. I could see how other people could think it's higher. It's currently a 6.7 on IMDb, uh, but it's just not my cup of tea. I mean, enjoyable to a certain extent, like the Danny Francisco and Drew Grant angle was enjoyable. I thought the Statham, Statham really didn't do much. Statham's character was kind of bland. It was like, I don't know. They tried to build him up. That he's like this really like diva, like spy and needs all these things. And he needs to be like, you know, he needs to be like, they, they really they have to be in their hands and knees to appease him because he's such a good spy. And he's got all these quirks, but they didn't follow through on, you know, how quirky he was. They described him being quirky, but then throughout the movie, like they didn't really do anything to match the description. So 5.8 for me, uh, I don't know, not my favorite, but anyway, that's the movie I saw. Um, as far as what's going on with me. I got a root canal last week, Joe. Did I tell you I got the root canal? You were telling me you, you were going to go in for it. Yeah. yeah. So I, we talked about it Monday, last Monday show. My tooth was killing me. Um, and I was able to get a lot. I was able, because there's, there's a big backup of, of root canal uh, appointments. And you, sometimes these doctors, they couldn't get me until like July. I'm like, so I have to suffer with this pain until July. Like, it didn't make any sense. So I got super lucky. I got, I got in with a good endontist. They had a cancellation. I went, I took off the whole day from work. The root canal took over two hours and they're not, they're not even done yet. And she can't get me in again until the 28th. So I have the second part of the same root canal, not until the 28th. And then a week after, two weeks after that, I have to get a crown. And it's not cheap. Crown Root canals are expensive, but thankfully I have dental insurance. So paid for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, the crown is another story. I got to figure out what I have to pay for the crown. But, you know, I just have to brush my teeth. I brush my teeth usually every night, usually twice a day when I wake up and at night. But sometimes I'll eat food after I after I um, brush my teeth. Sometimes I'll have some snacks that like the middle of the night and stuff. I'll get up and you know handful of cereal, some popcorn, whatever. I gotta stop doing that. You know what I mean? Because um, it's not fun. Getting a root canal is like painful and and really tedious, and they numb the whole side of your mouth. And like then it's sore after that. It was sore, it's been sore the past two or three days. Today it's not that bad, but I was taking Tylenol the two days after that to deal with the pain. Um, wow. so well, I don't recommend it, man. Have you never had a root canal, Joe? I've had several. Um, oh, you have? Okay. I've had several. Yeah. And the one good thing is though, is that it, the nerve should be gone, but they should have taken it out by now. At least they've taken that out by now. And now it's a matter I of think she, whatever she did something. She was digging away. I was on my number. My mouth was all numb and she, mm-hmm. she was digging and whatever, whatever they're doing, whatever she has to do, you know, she needs right. more time to finish it. But, um, and the pain yeah. you're Go ahead. But the pain you're feeling is. I was on amoxicillin. So the amoxicillin was also getting rid of the infection. Mm -hmm. So the worst case scenario was I couldn't get a root canal appointment as soon as I wanted to. Then I finished taking the amoxicillin for seven days. Then the pain subsides temporarily. Um, But I was, I was lucky to get in and that, you know, all is good now. It's just annoying. I have to go back. Then I have to go for after the crown. Just, I just want it done with, I hate going to the dentist, but. And when's the uh, last time before this, you have had any teeth problems at all? Um, let me think. Uh, man, I think I think before law school, I think I haven't been to the dentist since like 2014. Okay, so you know, there it is. It's a, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good run. Uh, you know, nine so what years. Was I, I started smoking weed again, and then I'm I get the munchies at night, and then I'm eating too much sugar. Like you know, when you smoke weed, you get soup. I, I do it mainly for sleep, but I also enjoy. I listen to music. I I you know I. I calm myself down enough to go to sleep because I have trouble sleeping. I'm really hyper and I, I got a lot of thoughts running through my mind all the time, constantly right. thinking. 
So, you know, marijuana has been a godsend for sleep, but it does make you very hungry. Um, and I really just, I can eat, you know, I, I stopped eating candy about two months ago, but I guess, be, you know, somehow the, it got in before that. Cause you know, the sugar that I'm consuming now is basically, I eat a lot of grapes. I'm eating a lot of green and, and red grapes, um, and clementine oranges to, to, to satisfy my sweet, sweet uh, tooth. But, um, yeah. That's you're still, point. yeah, you're still talking about acid and stuff like that's going to sit up there. But, you know, I mean, after a while, you're not going to, you're, after a while, you stop losing teeth to decay. I mean, it's just, it's just the way the body works. So, I mean, in your run here, that's not too bad. I've had all kinds of problems, you know, back in the past with. Did you have your wisdom teeth taken out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But um, the root canal, the pain you're, what you were feeling was just the, post-op pain of them in there probing yeah, and prodding. Yeah, sure. that's all you were feeling but at least you weren't feeling the pain of the infection anymore and the nerve should be gone because that's what they do the first half they get in there and take that nerve out for you yeah. and then that's why they can reschedule so far down the line because you should be cool um but um yeah i mean you know it, look at it, it, whatever if you're, you get some therapy that helps you sleep and so forth it's all fine and food may enhance the but you know what you just you have a little discipline and say, well, yeah, I could I could easily go to the kitchen and grab this or that, but I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going yeah, to. I kind of I have like a, kind of a studio type apartment where I live, so right. literally all the food in the kitchen is like right like near my bed, kind of. It's like you know, just getting up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, right. Like you know. Anyway, but, I digress. But um, speaking of food, buddy, what did you eat on Saturday? What was your cheat meal? Hey man, I broke the streak. <laughs> I broke the TB streak. I went to Five Guys and had one of the best burgers I've had in a long time and, and a big bucket of fries. I'm telling you, tremendous. See, this is the only part where I'm really enthusiastic because when I talk about food, you know, um, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just um, no, who wasn't enthusiastic about food? But no, um, I, I was, and I almost didn't do it. I almost said, Joey, just go get the Taco Bell because I was tired. It was cleaning day. I cleaned my place. When I clean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's cleaning, house cleaning and so forth, especially if you get your bathroom involved in everything in one day. And if you're not used to it, it gets you tired and everything. So I was tired. I was almost like, Joey, just just go to Taco. I said, no, damn it. Stop it. Go, go. You haven't had a good burger in a long time. Go get it. So I had the the five guys uh, and I had it right there. I didn't bring it up. I like that when I can, I like to eat it right there. That's what was driving me crazy about COVID. It was like, damn it. I can't wait for the longest time. I think I can't wait to just go order something and eat it right there. You know what I mean? So uh, I had the, the burger and fries and a, and a big soda and uh, uh, a couple cookies are brought with me. It was just, it was delightful. And um, I might mess around and get back there in, uh, next week and start a little five guys thing for a while. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on. <laughs> you might mess around and go five weeks in a row. Yeah. Is this a drinking game or something that I don't know about <laughs> that you're playing games with me? <laughs> So I'm going to see how many times as he says, mess around or digress. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. That'd be funny. You know, if we actually, the show actually takes off the ground and we got like, <laughs> you got like loyal fans who start making drinking games. I mean, I'd be so honored and, and, uh, you know, yeah. That, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they, they'd make a, they'd make some money off digress. That's for sure. But, mm -hmm. um, um, I'm off the topic. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So 
I'm going to do something different right now. I'm going to bring up the Brian. There's not a lot of Alex Murdoch cases, open, shut, closed. That guy's got two consecutive life sentences. Hasta la vista, jerk off. Kohlberger update. <laughs> just, I want to kind of weave it into uh, the opening here. Yep. Um, there's not a lot of updates, uh, but there's the daughter of someone called the BTK serial killer. Um, they said the people like are feeding Kohlberger's ego. Cause I told you a couple episodes ago, there's women writing him love letters and like, you know, giving him a lot of attention. This guy's a killer, right. Or a potential killer, but we all know that he probably is. Um, they, you know, the, the daughter of the, the BTK killer said no woman should be sending this guy love letters. Um, they're playing into his hands. They should not be celebrated or worshiped. People are only feeding their egos, feeding the killer's egos. Um, the BTK killer was apparently someone called some BTK stands for blind torture and kill. Um, oh my God. His, yeah. His name is Dennis Rader. R A D E R. I never really heard of the guy, but blind anyway. as in the, as in the verb to blind somebody with a, with a, with a cloth or something. You're not blind. Isn't it's not an adjective. It's a verb, right? Blind. I'm going to blind torture and yeah. kill. Oh no, bind, bind. I read it. Oh, I thought you said blind with an L. Okay, bind. Then it definitely is. Okay. Then it then it definitely is. Okay. But um, she's saying that um, woman. She said a a lot of women like worship her father, and it's called hybristophilia. It's a weird word to say. uh, Defined as sexual interest in and attraction of those who commit crimes. Uh, She said her dad's a dangerous, sexual, sadistic psychopath, a pathological liar, and narcissist. People need to remember that when communicating with people like him. It's true. I mean, nobody should be writing love letters to killers. And what, what is going on? I, I I told you before, I just think it's it's certain women that that um fear rejection and they, they figure, hell, I'll go in here to this joker. He, he's not gonna reject me for God's sake. That's why I think a lot of it has to do with that. Yeah, but I really some of these women who've written like written letters, I've seen it like, you know, they're like not like. I'm not saying like they have to be like attractive, but a lot of them are attractive. I'm like, whoa, I'm like, I'm a single guy. I'm 36 years old. And like, you know, I'm not well-known or famous, obviously, but you know, it's like, what's going on? These, these attractive women can't do better than writing a killer. And it's like, it's bizarre. Okay. Cause I, I've seen this happen. I've seen those, but I've never seen anything, any woman, any real attractive women with these um, doing, I've, I've seen, and I'm not being funny with you. But I've seen certain stories where they tell because this has been going on a long time. But usually it's women who are very un just unattra- you know, very moderately to unattractive that I have seen. I have yet to see any real attractive women. But if 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 you have seen something recently, if you've seen um real attractive <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, women in, in this, I'm, I'm going off my memory here, I've been like, you know, I'm telling you, man, like some of these, some of these women, like who you uh-huh. fall in love with these criminals in jail, it's like, they're not that bad. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, like, okay. Well, you know what too? Um, this, I, I've worked in mental health. I told you that I've said this many a time on here for, I've worked in mental, mental health for, for a couple of decades. Um, the human mind is a very, very um, fascinating thing and, and an unpredictable thing. And just as some people have sexual fetishes of God knows what, you know what I mean? Uh, it could be something like that. It could, it could, could you know, and it's just kind of a weird ass fetish. It could also be, as I said a couple moments ago, sometimes it's a, it's a certainty uh, for these women who fear rejection that they go in there and feel, I don't have to worry about rejection. He's not going to reject me for God's sake. He's in an eight by 10 cell, you know? Um so I, I I don't know. I 
I, and maybe in some small circles, maybe these women feel like they can help, um, you know, turn this guy around, you know, redeem, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but it is a strange one, Sean. It's a strange one. Uh, I don't know. Absolutely. Um, so just going to give you a quick preview during the sports segment today, Joe and I are going to quickly, uh, talk about some of the franchise, the, the NFL teams are starting to franchise tag certain players. Mm-hmm. Through a long-term deal. So during the sports portion at the end of the show, we're going to talk about uh franchise t- some of the franchise tags, um, as long as as well as uh some little NBA. So this, you know that's coming up during sports. Let everyone know. Yeah. Um right. so I'll quickly talk about The Last of Us is a really popular show. I think The Last of Us is like the most popular show right now. It's an HBO show, it's based on a video game. Pedro Pascal's in it, the guy from Mandalorian. Um, I hadn't liked the last couple episodes, I thought they were like kind of boring. This last episode was actually pretty good. Um, anything that involves a cult leader, like there's it, basically the last episode involves some cult leader. You know, it's, it's kind of like an apocalyptic world where people just have like their own communities and people start like, you know, some are some are nice, some are really mean, some are evil. It brings the worst and best out of people. Uh, but this guy's a cult leader. Um, so I'm not going to give anything away, but this episode involves that. I thought it was pretty good. So just want to talk about that real quick that I saw that. Um yeah, so moving on to our actor. Uh, today's actor, Joe, is Penn Badgley. Um, he's one of my favorite actors. My friends say I have a man crush on him. Huh. It's like, yeah, I got a man, you know, you get man crushes, you know. So um, he's just a great actor, but he's not like super well-known. He's basically only well-known because he was in Gossip Girl. That's where I really saw him was the show Gossip Girl. I binge Gossip Girl. I, you know, I, I'm way behind. I, it was on years ago, but I just like two years ago, I binged the whole, you know, all the seasons and I loved it. I, loved Gossip I never Girl. saw, I never saw a minute of it. Blake. Yeah. Well, it's not really in your wheelhouse. You know, it's, it's not, like, you're, you know, you're an older guy and, you know, it right. could be maybe to watch because there's like some, there's some, like, you know, young, attractive girls on that show, but like Blake Lively's in that. I saw he went out with Blake Lively. I thought that I did yeah, see it. Yeah. I thought, so, my dude, good job. Good work, um, brother. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, so he's really known from Gossip Girl on the show that's currently airing on uh, Netflix. It's a great show called You, Y-O-U. But I wanted to, I wanted to give him a spotlight, give him some attention because I mean my friends say I have my man crush on the guy because I'm like oh man everything this guy's in he was great in Gossip Girl he's great in you and like you know he's just he seems like a, a cool guy too he's born in 1986 um, he grew up in Richmond Virginia in Seattle his dad worked as a newspaper reporter and carpenter Joe your dad was a carpenter right carpenter cabinet maker yes yep. uh, he so basically when he was younger when he was like nine years old he did some radio voiceovers for a children's radio station. Uh, then some theater and he discovered a passion for acting. Uh, then he went to Hollywood. I think he went to Hollywood. He was like 14 years old. He like, he completely skipped high school. Um, he completely skipped high school. He took a proficiency exam and then he attended Santa Monica college and Lewis and Clark college in, in Portland at some point. Um, but he hired an agent when he went to Hollywood, I guess he hired an agent pretty quickly when he, he, he you know, he followed his dream. He went all the way to Hollywood and just hired an agent. He's like, I'm just doing what I want to do. Um, his big break came when he guest starred in Will of Grace in 1998. That was a popular show in the nineties. Um, he said his parents named him after the tennis ball brand pen, you know, like the pen tennis balls. Right. Because when he was in his mom's stomach, she was bouncing tennis ball and said he's the size of a tennis ball. So <laughs> that's kind of an interesting story about how he's, cause like he was on Jimmy Kimmel or, 
or Seth Myers or one of those shows, I was watching YouTube interviews of him and he was just giving these little insights. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, people really first noticed him. He was, doing, he was in a soap opera. I think he had a recurring role on the young and restless around year 2000. So I guess when he was around 15, uh, he was nominated for young artist award for best performance in a daytime series. So he had some success uh, young. I, I never consider him a childhood actor because I knew him from gossip girl. Like, he was like in his twenties when he was in Gossip Girl, um, and he played a character called Dan Humphrey. He was kind of a fish out of the water in like this rich prep New York City school around these rich people, and he he didn't have as much money as everyone else. Um, and I really loved that show. It was just it was just very like you know, it was I, that Gossip Girl is an awesome show, Joe. I mean that's all I'll say. It's, it was good. Um, uh, he thought once. Uh, he was done with Gossip Girl. He was nervous. He thought he was going to be typecast and just known for the role in Gossip Girl. So he was like, what am I going to do with my career now? Um, he talks about being in film. He said in film, you need time to get things right. Not always money, but it's weird because money equals time in film. Um, it costs a lot of money to be on set every day and to pay everyone for each day. But he said, it's all about time in film. Uh, what can you do with the time? Um he, he's kind of like he, he's a musician, like on the side as a hobby. He wanted to turn it into a career. Um, he thinks playing music in a live room for an audience is better than recording films. He thinks it's a lot better being a you know musician for live audiences than it is being in recorded films. Um, he said his music career didn't really work out. Um, it, again, it was, time, it was a time and money issue. It comes back to time and money, I guess. Um, he was talking about you. He said uh, they filmed the whole season without doing a pilot first, which is kind of rare with shows. It was on Lifetime originally. Uh, the ratings were really bad. And then they greenlit the second season and rescinded it. Um, but then obviously Netflix picked it up and it became a smash hit on Netflix. So, you know, the show is, the show is awesome. Joe, I highly recommend the show. You and I'm telling you, um, you'll like it. I'm pretty sure. What is it? What is it called again? What is it? Y O U U. Oh, oh, okay. Because I highly doubt I'm going to see. I'm highly doubt I'm going to watch that first one you were talking about. But Why this one, yeah, the that the, the the teenage drama, whatever the hell it is, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to see that. But this one, I can almost mark it down. Um, I've seen him now that you're mentioning him. Now that you mention him and this show, where he plays a cat that's pretty twisted. And so forth. Yeah. I've seen him on some talk, like late night talk shows and so forth. And I want to see that. Now, I don't want to see it so bad that I'm going to run out and 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 get net Netflix. But the way these shows work, it's just a matter of time before I can get it on one of my, you know, Amazon Prime or Apple or something like that. It's just a matter of time. So when it does come out, I'm, I'm going to at least check it out, you know, uh, but it, it looks that that looks good. That looks, you know, like a show that would interest me you know um absolutely so. um yeah so he directed he actually directed an episode of you this season two he said the show you and gossip girl uh they don't make as much sense if they're not as popular because they break the fourth wall in our cultural conversation so that's a very interesting insight i like that um he's like if they weren't as popular people would, it just wouldn't make as much sense to people because they're they're cultural conversations it's a fourth wall um so i thought that was cool um he hey, said man. Any man that can date Blake Lively, it's like, you know what, cuz, good work, cuz. I mean, come on now. I saw that. I was like, my dog, way to be, man. All right. But that's, uh, you know, that's that. And that and the U Project, I'd like to see see that. But, you know, this fellow's pretty young, Sean. So, I mean, you know, 
you know, we'll have to give him, give him time too, you know? So yeah. he hasn't been around um, that long. Exactly. I, I want, I want, cause he's still got a lot of career left, but I want to highlight him and focus on him. I'm like, this guy deserves attention and credit. He's, he's the man of the moment in terms of Netflix shows. Um, I mean, Outer Banks is out too. It's another great Netflix show, but everybody loves you. And part two is coming out, I think this week. He's um, no Wallace Shawn, my dude. He's no Ed <laughs> Harris or anything like that, but he's all right. You know? He's all right. Because, he's uh, most of his job in the show, you is voiceovers. Because if you watch the show, you, it's a lot of him talking and describing his thoughts and what he's in, thinking. His internal dialogue. So That's what I understood. Of, yeah. Like, the camera is just filming him and it's very technical acting. Uh, he's right. kind of grown to like it. It's, it's a whole different because he's got to be because they're filming what he's doing in like a scene, but he's not talking in a lot of scenes. It's like a voiceover. Yes. Um, so it's a highly technical dance with the crew, um, he says, because him and the crew have to be really locked step, locked in together. Um, yes. Just in terms of my my top five. Um, so he was in number one. Number one is uh, is 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 probably yeah, I'm going to go with Gossip Girl. I was going I was between you and Gossip Girl. So this is a TV shows the top two for me. Gossip Girl number one, you number two. Um, I would say Stepfather number three. The Stepfather is a horror movie remake. It's about a you know lady who marries a guy. She's got kids, and this guy becomes the stepfather, and the stepfather turns out to be a crazy killer. He plays the son and the stepfather. Um, so that was good. Um, he was also in John Tucker Must Die in 2006. Mm-hmm. He was in Easy A in 2010. Um. So those are my top five, you know, Gossip Girl 1, U2, uh, Stepfather 3, John Tucker Must Die 4, Easy A 5. And Easy A, he actually plays Emma Stone's love interest. Uh, that's from 2010, so that was good. Um, but I know, Joe, you you know, you don't, you haven't seen it. He's, you know, he hasn't been in a ton of stuff that you've seen. So it's not fair to me to sit here and ask you a ton of questions about him. But you do recognize some qualities about the guy. You know, he dated Blake Lively. You looks like a good show. Um, I guess you trust my judgment, but no, I trust guy, your guy, judgment. Yep. Guy's talented, and I think he's got a long career ahead of him. Yep. Uh, and I've I've seen him on some late night shows. He's been on, and he's been talking about that, like this, how it, that this is different that the internal dialogue of this new project that he's doing this this you thing. Um, and although watching stuff like that is slightly upsetting. I've, you always remind yourself, dude, it's just a show. It's just a show, but it's interesting to see that. But this is unique in that it's in, internal dialogue that he's, you know, uh, it's like you're sitting inside his head, listening to them talking yeah. to himself. So, because yeah. I, I saw a clip on one of these late night shows too. It was like a 30 yeah. second clip. So, yeah, good work. Good work, Sean. All right. So, let's move on to our Snapple fact. Uh, oh, shout out to Penn Badgley. All right. So, move on to our Snapple fact. Um, Snapple fact number 223. The Basenji, the Basenji is a dog that yodels instead of barking. What do you think about that, Joe? There's the a dog that yo- there's a y- dog that yodels instead of barking. It's called a Basenji. It weighs about 22 to 24 pounds. It's about 16 to 17 inches. Life expectancy is about 13 to 14 years. Um, it's a breed of a hunting dog. It was bred from stock that originated in Central Africa. The reason it yodels is because it produces an unusual yodel-like sound due to its unusually shaped larynx. Um, and it gives him the nickname the barkless dog, so a, a yodeling <laughs> dog. It's pretty cool, pretty cool. I, I, I'd like to hear the, the actual yodel, but uh, uh, I love dogs, I love dogs no matter what they sound like or almost you know what they look like or whatever, even the rattiest looking dog. I just love them, they're great. Um, but that's interesting, I did not know that. Did yeah, not man. know that. Yep, are you ready to be stumped on the reel? 
Oh, sure. Okay. Story number one. Man walks 300 miles after car breaks down in the middle of desert and is bitten by a snake. Story number two. Scientists discover eating candy in moderation is healthier than eating five eggs per day. Story number three. Family raises 250-pound dog for two years, then realizes it's a bear. Mm. Wow. Wow. Radio silence. Joe is thinking. Yeah, okay. And, and because I'm tired tonight, I'm not going to take six, 16 weeks to, to mow all these over. The first one, the guy walked too far, 300 miles. I'm not buying it. Not in the desert. Done. The second one and the third one are feasible. Um, candy in moderation as opposed to eating eggs if you're really sensitive to cholesterol. Now... The family, if you get the family that's out in one of these real, you know, rural areas and they have. <clears throat> Question is, where did they get that puppy? What they thought was a puppy. Um, 250 pound dog. You know, <clears throat> I think. I think they would notice it was a bear and not a dog sooner than later. I can't, I can't dismiss this idea that, and I'm just going to go with, could you repeat the verbiage about that middle one to get the, the candy again? Could you scientists, repeat the one? Scientists discover eating candy in moderation is healthier than eating five eggs per day. <clears throat> healthier than eating five eggs per day who the hell said eating five eggs per day is healthy um well it's got a lot of protein if you depends on what else you eat it's yeah because egg eggs could be eating five eggs a day could be perceived as me. Yeah. um well and you know what i just think the guy walked 300 miles in the desert is 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 is, is that's that's 300 if it were 30 i'd say maybe you know so that's out the family say that other the bear the, the bear and dog one again. Say the headline again. Are you are you searching Google for the headlines? We <laughs> oh no no I'm just really I'm just I'd like family, to put a little thought. Family raises two hundred fifty pound dog for two years, then realizes it's a bear. <laughs> okay, I didn't get the two years part. See the two years part. If it's a bear, that thing's going to well. The 250 pound dog but where did they get this puppy did the, the 250 pound dog quote unquote just show up on their property one day they had to have it from the time it was a puppy i don't know i'm gonna say the middle one makes sense that's it the eggs and candy okay well uh sir i got you i stumped you <clears throat> good all was real the one about the dog was, uh, see, and I was almost there. I was almost there. That's good work, Sean. I, I'm kind of, I was going to change the 300 miles one. I stumped you anyway, but I was going to change 300 miles to what you said. I was, I was going to do about 100 miles. What, if 100 miles, would I have stumped you too? I, I stumped you regardless, but. Oh, I'm not telling you anything now. <laughs> okay. You, said, <laughs> you did say 30. You said 30. That would make more sense. But anyway. Yeah, All but right, the, so yeah, so I almost I was, almost went there though. Be Just be, be just understand that, that I was yeah. right there. Yeah. A family, basically the family, it's from the New York Post, uh, the family in a remote part of China adopted what they thought was a puppy. They discovered two years later that it was actually a bear. Um, it's a village, some village in China. 
Um, they thought it was a Tibet Tibetan Mastiff puppy. Uh, they're on vacation in 2016. Tibetan Mastiffs are huge dogs with thick uh, black and brown coats. They can weigh up to 150 pounds. Um, they said they were immediately struck that the pooch had an insatiable appetite, wolfed down a box of fruits and two buckets of noodles daily. Um, it, <laughs> the dog, the bear, I guess, the bear was tipping the scales at 250 pounds and getting even bigger. Um, and the woman noticed the bear walked on two legs. So she thought, well, why is the dog walking on two legs? Oh, we'll see that right there. If I did, yeah, I mean, if I'd have known that, <laughs> if I'd have known the two leg thing, that that's a slam dunk. Um, but I, I was right there, and you know what? You got me. Dog on it. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, they quickly they she reached out to authorities and they they classified it as a, a Asiatic uh black bear. They classified it as a vulnerable species. Um it was first reported in 2018, but went viral, I guess, last week. Um, wow, they're also known as Himalayan bears or moon bears, they can weigh up to 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um had to be tranquilized before you can cart it off. So thankfully it didn't hurt anybody. Yes. I, if I was a family, I would just kept the bear. It's like, why <laughs> keep the bear? You know what I mean? It didn't hurt you yet. You know? Wow. I don't know. I'm it, just joking kind of, but it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's probably like bear, that. It's probably domesticated. <laughs> you probably got used to the family. And like now that hopefully they don't shoot the damn thing. You know what well, I mean? The, no, I think they'll, they'll take it out to the wilderness, what they probably will do. Um, Although. But it's China though. You don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. They are kind of, I mean, I've seen footage of anyway, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that bear was going to keep growing. So at some point you got to think about it. And just like <laughs> your friend with, just like your friend in Pennsylvania with the alligator, it all goes well until it doesn't, <laughs> you know, that joker has, has a brain. that's about, you know, the size of, of, uh, you know, uh, of a super Bowl, And all of a sudden he, he decides to go left, you know, you got problems. So, yeah. It all goes well until it doesn't. So that's probably why they got rid of them. So yeah, they did the responsible thing. All right. What's next on your agenda, my friend? All right. So we got a current event. Um, so the New York Times, uh, it's called You're Now a Manager. Forget about overtime pay. Basically, there's a disturbing trend that's going on in the workplace. Many employers um, are mislabeling rank and file workers as managers to avoid paying them overtime. Um, they're, they're calling people managers and it's, it's, there's a, there's a loophole there because the companies do not need to pay overtime to salaried employees who make above the amount if they are bona fide managers. Um, it's really bizarre. I mean, they mislabel workers to deny them overtime to save the company money. Um, they come up with weird titles, um, like food cart manager, lead reservationist. Um, it costs the workers about 4 billion per year. Or more than three thousand per mislabeled employer employee. Um, so it's really it's you know there's a lady who worked at Panera Bread named Tiffany. Um, she began her day at five a.m. Um, and ran off until late after late in the afternoon. She worked about fifty hours a week. She did not receive any overtime pay um, because Panera hired her as a manager, paid her an annual salary and on an hourly basis. This happens a lot. They pay, they hire you as a, as a salary and call you some manager. And then they, you're working like crazy hours and you break down what you're making and you're only making sometimes like minimum wage. You're like, wait, I have like a, you know, a high salary job. And then some people are working like 70 hour weeks or something right, crazy, right. 50 to 70 hour weeks because yep. federal law requires employees to pay time and a half 
anything over 40 hours. Um, and also most salaried workers, if a salaried worker is below like 35,000 a year, they have required to pay them overtime. It really is disturbing. I mean, um, the federal data shows the trend that says uh, the number of managers in, increased in the labor bo- force by about 25% from 2010 to 2019, but the overall number of workers grew roughly half that percentage. So there's more manager positions popping up. So you might be impressive. Oh, I'm a manager. I'm, you know, I have a good salary. And then you realize the hours you're working, you're not making proper money. You'd be better off having an hourly job where you get into overtime. As soon as you hit 40 hours, you're getting time and a half. Um, you know, it, it really is. There's, there's a lady who worked at Dunkin' Donuts. She had a salary of about 40000 a year as a manager there. Uh, she had worked 70 more hours a week in a typical week. She spent 90% of her time on dealing with customers, uh, serving them, cleaning, and she couldn't delegate the work because they're always short on staff. And she's supposed to be a manager. She's working 70 hours a week at Dunkin' Donuts, only making $40,000 a year. I mean, there's something seriously wrong about it. Just in terms of what the administrations are doing, um, the Trump administration adopted a current cutoff of about 35,000. The Biden administration, uh, they want to raise the cutoff um, substantially. So at least that's a good thing. They're going to raise that cutoff because they can, you know, they have to pay overtime if you're making under thirty five thousand five hundred a year now. But hopefully the Biden administration they change that. Hopefully they 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 increase that to at least forty five thousand at least, because um, it really is a it's a crime um, that these people are you know they're they're they have good jobs or you know they're a manager they have a lot of responsibility, and what a lot of people do is they try to entice them they're like oh the manager position there's a lot of upward mobility. Um, you know, as opposed to the hourly position. So yeah, you might be sacrificing, you might be making less per hour, but you're going to be, you know, there's upward mobility. Um, So I don't know, man, what do you think about this? I think it goes back to when you're 20, 20, 21 years old and you get, you start to get experience with this. I was in clothing retail years and years and years ago. And I became familiar with how they start to do this thing here too. They give you a title and it's, you know, you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm working 48 hours a week here. I'm not working 40 and this kind of thing. It's never anything to this kind of magnitude that you're talking about. But at an early age, if you're living and breathing and you're working in this world, you're going to come across this. And basically, if you're on salary, always stop and think how many hours a week you're working. That's all. It really isn't as big. A, I mean, as you know, as complex and as and you start, oh, I'm a salary. You're giving me this much a week. Okay. Then you take your, your, however much you're making a week and you multiply it by 52. That's what you're grossing per year. Right. And also speak the salary language. You're saying, okay, I'm, I'm making this much per week. What's a week. And you're figuring yourself, am I working 40 hours? So what's my schedule every week? And when they tell you your schedule and, and it looks like you're working 60 hours a week, you say, you know what? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to check something else out. I'll get back to you. That's kind of thing. So, I mean, it's just a matter of semantics. It's a matter of paying attention. That's all that is, you know. Um, that, and it's been around. Those kind, of, those kind of tricks have been around forever. And you just have to pay attention and... Um, Hope that you're not desperate enough that you have to do take whatever this or that. And and also you have to think to yourself, not only sometimes that may work out, because sometimes you're thinking, okay, it's I'm on salary, I'm getting this much uh per week. And yeah, wow, I'm working 51 hours a week. But then you stop and ask yourself, 
How much of this is downtime? How much of my week is downtime? How much of, am I really, how much am I physically, what do I have to do? And what am I doing when I am working? Am I killing myself? Am I breaking my back or is it? So these are all things that you have to take into consideration, but there's some, um, there's some salient points that you bring up and I'm glad you brought them up because people should, before taking a position, factor all those things in. You can't just look, look at one or two things. So it's good work. Yeah, it says uh, in recent years it's become more difficult to root out because more employees, their employers, they're requiring workers to sign contracts with mandatory arbitration clauses that preclude lawsuits. So they're protecting themselves. They're CYA, they call it, Joe, covering yeah. your ass. Yeah, yeah, and that's been um, around some before it, both it of us. That, it that doesn't phrase. just happen in like McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and stuff. It happens in like banking and in the uh, white collar industry with technology and banking. So it, it really is an epidemic um, because these people 70 hours at Dunkin' Donuts and you're making $40,000. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go near it. Wouldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so, I feel bad that people do have to do that, but they should think it through and think all those things through. And actually I wouldn't, I, I would suggest not signing anything like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's also, re- a quick, quick little statistic here uh, from 2010 to 2018, Manager titles in a large database of job postings were nearly five times as common to workers um, who were at the federal salary cutoff for mandatory overtime or just above. Is it's just it's wild. There's there's a there's a ton of manager openings. So when you see you see a job, it's like, oh, I'm going to interview for a manager. I might be a manager. Think about it. Because I, I ran to this position. I was at Amazon, and uh, I got a manager position offered to me. And it was like four days a week, 12 hour shifts, you know, odd hours. You have to work through the night. And it was only a dollar, like a dollar more an hour. I was like, um, screw that. You know what I mean? That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh it's 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 one of those things that the employers are getting away with murder, basically. But Shoni, I can remember back uh god, 1984-ish. Um, um, what the 19, uh, what am I? Yeah, I'm actually 20 years old, 1984. Um, but I'm a kid, 20 years old. And I, uh, a buddy of mine was working and it was a clothing retailer. And, and he says, uh, you know, Joe, you want to check this out. You know, it's not bad. You make money, you dress up, you dress up in your, your nice clothes and you're in a mall and you, you just, you meet, you know, you meet females and you, you sell clothes and it's not bad. It's really cool. It's, you're not out in the elements. You're not killing yourself. You learn a lot about clothing. And in, in some senses, he, he was right. And it was fun for a while. I spent a few years in clothing retail because it, it was fun for a while and had a lot of positive things, but, um, I'm 20 years old and I was there for about a month and okay, you want to, you're going to be assistant manager now, assistant manager. I haven't been here that long. You know what the hell are you talking? I don't even know. I'm still learning you know, what Argyle socks are and what, you know, what, a, what a single Windsor is. And so what the hell are you talking about? You know, I mean, now you got me back. I'm here a month. You got me an assistant manager. So I knew something was wrong just intuitively, you know, like what's going on here. And, and, it turns around and 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 I and I, I don't even want to repeat what what the salary was, but it was like, what? So and this is retail too, so it was more than forty hours a week. It was f- like forty eight one week and forty the other. One week they'd give you like a you know you had you know Saturday so night and Sunday week. overtime for the manager position. There was no overtime, nothing, right, <laughs> right. But uh, and the it was it was your your base salary 
was your, was your, your base salary and a very meager commission. They could have done better with the commission, but none of us made. And even like the district manager, it's retail. And it was retail in the 1980s, but the malls were bumping in the 1980s. Things were happening. Life was fun. I was younger and everything. Now, I didn't stay with that, obviously, but for a while it was cool. But it's any time, that's how I was my first, my first experience with this kind of like, wow, I'm the assistant manager. You know, I think to myself, kid, you're 20 years old. You're an assistant manager. Then I think that the other year, I think to myself, how much are they paying you? Okay. <laughs> you know, it is what it is, that kind of a thing. Yeah. But um, you have to, and another trick they used to play was you're an independent contractor. You know what I mean? You're an independent contractor. You think, yeah, that's right. I'm, I am an independent contractor. Yeah. I don't have to listen to you. I'm an independent contractor. No, you have to listen to them, but guess what? They don't have to give you any benefits or anything like that. You know, and at the end of the year, when you go to pay your, 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 your income taxes, Oh, you're going to find out about that being an independent contractor too. But that's what, look, people have been doing this for as long as, as, as long as hell, you know, people who employ other people try to get over. So just, you know, watch yourself, yeah. you know, it happens a lot um, in low wage industries too, like retail, dining and janitorial. But like I said, it, it's, it's relevant and prevalent and, um, <laughs> I just laugh saying prevalent because on the Howard Stern show, this guy, Sal Governale, he can't say prevalent. He says prevalent and stuff. It's like, it's a big <laughs> joke. It's not a pronounced prevalent. It became a big thing. Anyway, I digress on that. Um, so, you know, it's really, it's, it's a horrible thing that happens. Like there's a guy who working at Jack and Jack in the box. His salary was just over 30,000 based on hourly wage of $16 or something like that. Um, but then his true salary wage was closer to half that amount. Um, our, so he was basically making eight dollars an hour, well below minimum wage. I mean, and Jack in the Box didn't respond to comment on what the hell is going on there. So, it's 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 a really it's a uh, predatory thing that's going on with employers. They're they're cash strapped. They're trying to cut the corners, pinch pennies, and uh, you know they're they're giving people manager titles. It's good to brag about, but then they're not making money. So it's I don't like, know. It's, and it's you really know what? Yeah, bad. it is, Sean, and, and it just goes to. It seems to me. Look, you know, it seems to me that what's happening with our country and with with our capitalistic uh, model and everything is that what's trying to be created here is um, two classes, like the haves and the have-nots, and the middle classes is becoming a thing of the past. I mean, I, I was watching a comedian the other night talking about um, – he, his grandfather said something to him like, well, how old are you? You know, and he says, well, I'm 36 or 37 or 38 or whatever the hell it was. It was some kind of 30. And he says, uh, you married now? You have any kids now? You do this now? And he says, when I was your age, I had blah, 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 like in a very condescending way. Yeah, yeah, he says, exactly. yeah, but grandpa, he says, grandpa, you did, you did that at my age. You know, you did, but it was 1950 money. Try that now. It was 1950 money. He says, Grandpa, you worked as a bank teller and you were married, had a couple of kids, had a house, and your wife exactly. stayed home. Exactly. That's, that's a whole different ballgame. Right now, you'd be living in a tent as a bank teller. You know what I mean? Or not, I'm, I'm exaggerating what he said. He said something or other like, but it's it's like, it's it, it's profoundly different. I'm just wondering, um, you know, I'm not old, but I'm starting to age. And as I look at look at things, I'm thinking, I don't know how, I don't know what's going to happen 
But I really worry about what used to be the middle class in this country, because it used to be, Sean, that you didn't have to go to college to make a real decent living. If you did go to college, boy, you made a fantastic, but if you didn't go to college and you were just a good worker and had some sense, halfway, you know, half a brain, you could do really, really, really well and have a, have a wife, a family, kids, two uh, of two vaca- uh, vacation every year, a car, uh, two cars, this kind of a thing. And send your kids to college and keep your wife at home. You could do all that on a very mundane job, but it's all being washed away. Exactly, dude. You're, yeah. you're spot on because it's like, you know, people, older generations like say, well, I had to work my way up. I'd do this. I had to, uh, you know, I raised a family, you know, so and so died early and this and that. It's like, what do you do? It's like you have a college degree and I, you know, I don't even have a college degree. I don't have as good a school as you. And look what I did. Look at the house I had. Look at the family. It's like, wait, hold on. We live in a different society. It's more, it's different generation. Way more, yeah. the population is way more higher. It's way more competitive. There's computers now. So, I mean, I can think about the other way. There's a lot more, there could be a lot more opportunities to succeed. But like you just said, if you just want to have a regular job where it's like, just go to work and just get, you know, it's not that difficult you know you have a certain skill you can do and perform you can work your way up like whatever you got to do but these basic jobs these days are they don't pay anything you can't even afford an apartment no and i sean it used to be i'm not going i'm going back to like in the 1950s and even in the 60s the 40s 50s 60s and even a little bit in the end of the 70s maybe but a, a, a guy or a girl could graduate high school and not even have any attention to go to college and they can go to work for um um, the Ford Motor Company, GM or whatever, in a factory or Campbell Soup or something like anything like that. There were myriad uh, companies who set up camp here and they give you a job in a factory on the line, on a production line. Right. And you knew you were going to make a certain amount. You were going to make enough to have the dag on, like I said, the house, the wife at home, the kids, the two vacations a year and, and everything. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, and like these days, I mean, those type of jobs, you can't, like I just said, you can't afford an apartment. I digress. Oh, those kind of jobs, you need to be a, a, yeah. a, a half a CEO today. I know. Yep. Um, yep. Inflation too. All this. We'll talk about this in the future. I like that with this, this topic really brought out a lot. I like that. We'll continue with this another show for sure, but let's move yeah. on to sports, sir. Yeah. Okay. So the Sixers had a big win tonight. Uh, unfortunately, I'm really mad at James Harden right now. James Harden cost me about $130, dude. I made a bet. I, you know, not a lot of large bet. I've had a bet like 20 bucks money in my account, not losing any money. And I had a beautiful parlay. Everything hit in the parlay. Trey Young, 25 points. Damian Litter, three threes. No problem. Joel and B, 25 points. No problem. Halliburton, eight assists. No problem. Harden, eight assists. No problem. Okay. Harden, 20 points. Couldn't do it. They scored 147 points and James Harden couldn't score 20 points, dude. I know he had like 20 assists. I know they won the game, but really, this this guy used to score over thirty with his eyes closed. I don't know, dude. I'm frustrated with that. that that's a horrible beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a tough deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, you're happy the Sixers won, obviously, though, right? Yeah, I think they could have won by more against that team, but I'll take the win. You know, I'll take yeah. the win. But their opponent, um, the guy. Uh, the point guard they went against, Tyrese Halliburton, he's an all-star point guard. He had 16 assists. He was lockstep with James Harden against him. I actually spoke to him a couple of times. He was in the crypto group I was in um, when the crypto was booming. 
And uh, he's a very nice, humble guy. We had, an M- we had a couple NBA players in our group who would like talk to us all the time. We started off on this NBA Top Shot platform and we got them in our group and they were just like us buying and selling stuff, even including the guy in the Knicks, Josh Hart. Josh, he wasn't in our group, but Josh Hart was big in the crypto. But anyway, T- Tyrese Halliburton was in our group and he would talk to us. And one night he he went on the stream and he opened up his pack. You get a pack, it's like a pack of cards, but a digital. He opened up a pack of cards with us and he was he was hanging out with us, talking to us. It was pretty cool. So Shout out to Tyrese Halliburton. You uh, having a great year, sir. Um, so yeah, man, the Sixers are playing good. But you know what I saw today, Joe? What? There was NBA power rankings on CBS, and the New York Knicks were ranked number one. I was in shock. We're finally getting the respect we deserve. What? The New York Knicks were ranked number one because they do something called power rankings. It doesn't have to be by standings or who's in first place. They ranked the New York Knicks number one today in the power rankings on CBS Sports, dude. Well, I think the Knicks are much improved, and, they're, and it looks like they're they're finally turning it around. But I I I don't know what that I don't know what that you know that, that that's obviously well, well I guess because they beat Boston, it's a big was we it beat Boston but, the last three times. We we beat Boston yeah. last night without Jalen Brunson, dude. He's our best player. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I'd be I'd, I'd be hesitant to call them number one right now. But, but I told you the NBA. last show. NBA.com has them tied for second. So it's Milwaukee number one, Boston number two, Cleveland number two, New York number two, all tied. And they have Philadelphia at number five. They're Philly at number five? And they just went into Milwaukee and spanked their ass? I don't know. It's weird. No, dude, that, that game was Milwaukee. They didn't spank them. Dude, they were, they, were, they were lucky they won that, dude. It was a great win and everything. But they were down by like 15 points. And they had a miraculous comeback. They went on like a nineteen to two run. Yeah, I, I just at all. I, I respect the Knicks, and I think they're doing a good job in in, in turning things around. But until you until, until they do a little more, I can't I can't mention them in the same breath as the Bucks, the Celtics, and Sixers. I just can't do it. I just you're putting, can't the, you're putting the Sixers and the same Celtics as Bucks and Celtics, dude. Absolutely. Why not? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, listen. Would you read me the standings? Would you read me the standings? Yeah, the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers are right there. I mean, I know. I oh, okay, well, they're right there. That's why I put them in the same breath. Yeah, but, I, I don't want you to get delusional and think that this this little. I mean, it is good, and I I am I think that the Knicks. I I'm not going to give them a little credit here. They're turning things around, but I don't want you to get so delusional that you're already. I'm, starting, not, I'm really realistic, you know, but, the, but I'm you know, so you found something. You, it's like when you write a write a, a, a paper, like in college, and you you have some point you want so to prove, NBA. and you look th- you you look feverishly, and you finally find oh. one person that agrees with the point you want to make, so that you're going to cite them. I got alerts on my phone. <laughs> I got alerts on my phone. NBA.com power rankings, NBA.com power rankings, and CBS power rankings. Those are two legitimate sources. I didn't have to search at all. It literally popped up on my phone. It's like Knicks are new number one. Listen. I'm realistic about the Knicks. I, I think I think we're good. I think I think I think Knicks can mess around and like really get to the finals this year. I really do think that. And it looks like everyone else, the experts, because I'm no expert. I'm just a fan, right? I'm a guy who knows a lot about basketball, but I don't consider myself an expert. No one called me an expert. But experts using all this data are saying the Knicks are number one or number two. So listen, it is what it is, man. Philadelphia is right there too. I mean, um, I don't know. I we'll see what Harden does in the playoffs. I'm man. telling you, and most people that that watch the game and so forth and so on. Although someone was able to manipulate some, some statistics and, and formulate that conclusion for right now, wait 10 minutes. Cause it'll change one of those kind of things. Let's get back to the stone cold ball, the basketball and reality. You got the bucks. You got the Celtics. You got the 76ers. 
That's who you got. That's who you got in the East. Now, Wait, no, I'm looking, the oh, New York team, the New York team is definitely honorable mention. Yeah, I was okay. looking. Oh, I was looking at the wrong part of the NBA.com. They had they had records of the East. So that was the Eastern Conference stuff. But let's see the overall. They have the Bucks at number one. That's a fair pick. The Nuggets at number two. That's fair. The Celtics at number three. It's fair. Uh, four Sixers. Four Sixers. And this is in the Knicks, entire league. Knicks, Knicks are at five on this one. So NBA.com is Sixers at four, Knicks at five. Okay. Well, that makes a little I, – I can buy that, Sean. I mean, I just – but <laughs> do you realize that you just said to me, quote, you're putting the Sixers in the same breath as the Knicks? <laughs> No, no, I said the Celtics and Bucks, not the Knicks, dude. I said Celtics and Bucks. Okay, okay, you okay? That is that is that is right. You did some. My apologies. Yeah. I stand corrected. I got more orthopedic shoes here. That is that is a. But am I putting them in the same breath as them? No, I'm putting them just a little bit behind them. But let me ask you this: um, Can they beat either of those teams? Now they haven't had a whole lot of success against Boston. However, how many times have you seen? And every game, most of the games they play against Boston are tough. Um, how many times have you seen in a regular season confrontation, you know, this team beats eight, team A beats team B again and again and again and again. And then they face off in the playoffs and guess what happens? <laughs> and you see sports just as long as I have. Uh, and it, I'm not going to go as far as to say that either of those teams are tremendously better than the Sixers, but I'll give them the nod right now. I'll give the Bucks and the Celtics the nod right now as being a little bit better as I will give the Sixers the nod of being still a little bit better than the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks are on the come though. They are. I told you that last, last show. Don't take that as, I mean, you know, utmost respect, you know, I told you that I told you that they could mess around and win the whole thing. I told you that last time, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, listen, we'll see what but I'm happens. I'm not going to get nuts over here, you know. I'm very listen. I'm very happy with what I see from the Knicks. Um, the fact that they they that last night was a big test. Emmanuel quickly, he's, he's played the same school. He played at Kentucky with Maxi, dude. Him and Maxi got drafted together. So I'm actually I used to think that Maxi was better than Quickly. Now I'm not so sure after watching Quickly recently, dude. I think Quickly might be he's right there with Maxi. I think. Yeah. Um, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Maxie's a hell of a basketball player. Yeah, but did you see? Uh, did you see the franchise tags today in the NFL? I saw your Cowboys. I saw they're going to franchise uh, the running back. Um, yeah, I'm very happy, but the problem is um, they're guaranteeing him ten million dollars. Fine, um, but we still have Zeke Elliott on the books. What are we going to do about Zeke? Oh, I think they're going to dump him. He's he's. It's. I don't think he's much of a. I don't. I mean, now, if he decides to um, recommit himself and to get in better shape and to work harder, and I, I don't know, but he, he's not the same back he was by far. He's just low. I, I think he's just, he's five years in now. And running backs, usually the average lifespan of a running back is four years. So he's already over the, the average lifespan for the running back in the league. And he doesn't have, he look, doesn't look like he has a whole lot left in the tank. No, so I, 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 I think they're going to get rid of him. That's what I think. Yeah, we'll see. Depending on how much money it costs us to get rid of uh, Zeke, I don't know what because next year Zeke Elliott has a sixteen point seven million dollar cap hit next season. Oh, he's so, definitely not worth that at all. He I might know. be worth about one one fifth of that, maybe. Yeah, and then I saw um, it's interesting. I saw the the Jaguars uh, placed the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. Um, eleven point three million guaranteed. He was in the, he was a Giants tight end for a little bit. He was kind of a disappointment. He came in the league with a lot of high expectations, but 
Um, I don't know. Last season he had 73 catches, um, 766 yards, four touchdowns. Um, so interesting franchise tag, the franchise tag him. Cause I feel like you can get tight ends are not always easy to get. So maybe it makes sense. You know, the Jags have some momentum. They have Doug Peterson. They got Trevor Lawrence. They got Travis Etienne, their running back. I mean, there's some good things going on in Jacksonville, but um, that was a surprise when I saw they, they used it on him. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they, they probably could have figured out a way to sign him for a reasonable deal. They're paying him 11.3, but you know, if they had no one else, then why not? Um, and then the, the commanders did Duran Payne. Um, so that's Duran Payne. And then that, that's really all I saw so far. So that the Raiders are expected to tag Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I wish my Eagles would uh, put the tag on uh, Chauncey C.J. Gardner that uh, the safety he's one. Of, oh, is he so good? He's such a vital part of this this defense too. Um, but I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're they're going to franchise someone, but I don't know. I don't know who yet. But I wish it would. Think, uh, I hope it's him. You think, what do you think the Giants are going to do with Daniel Jones? I mean, they could either they're not going to. He, he was demanding forty five million, which is blasphemy. It's so wrong. The man does not deserve forty five million dollars per year. Uh, franchise tag would pay him about thirty two million. Um, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Thirty two million dollars even sounds like a lot for Daniel Jones, but if you you need a quarterback and you have to keep him, and the the, the market is so absurd right now because I'm I'm waiting to see what Geno Smith uh, gets because Geno Smith. Apparently the Seahawks are paying. They came to a deal, multi-year deal. So I want to see what Geno Smith gets because I don't think Daniel Jones deserves more than Geno Smith. Well, the whole thing here too is what those jackass Cleveland Browns did when they signed um, uh, what's his name <clears throat> from the from the Texans. Um, oh, come on, the quarterback. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Um, well, well anyway, about? pardon me. What would you say? Who? What team? The quarterback for the Houston oh, Texans, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it, it, it escapes me once in a while. The name escapes me, or whatever. When they shined, when they shined, when they signed Deshaun Watson um, to that ridiculous contract, they set a precedent. That's why um, everyone in the league, every GM in the league, was irate at them for being such jackasses. But I think what's happening. And I think it's evident with the what the Ravens are not doing. They're not just saying because what they're not what they're saying is I don't care what the, what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson. We're not going there as a new like the, a new reference point for quarterbacks. And I think that if every GM in the league says we're not going to do this, I hope they don't. So I think this guy has brass balls for the, the quarterback for the Ravens for, for hanging out so long and, and holding out so long. But his whole mindset is, well, if he got this, then I'm, I get $1 more than he gets because I'm better than him. And these guys are just ridiculous. I told you before I feel about some of these guys. I mean, they already have life-changing money. And at this point, it's just ego. It's, dude, go to work, will you? So, and, and this quarterback for, for, for the Ravens, I, he's nowhere near as good as Deshaun Watson. Forget all the personal stuff. This kid in, in, in Baltimore, he's a hell of a runner, but he's nowhere near the quarterback that Deshaun Johnson is. So um, it looks like uh, just to quickly add this, uh, Geno Smith got three years, 105 million. So it's crazy. Cause like a couple of years ago, that would have been like a ton of money for a guy like Geno Smith, a guy who he just had a good year, but he hasn't been proven. You know, he's not a proven starter. He had like one good year. Uh-huh. Um, three years for 105 million in terms of the quarterback market, I guess it's fair, 
So now Daniel Jones, you know, Daniel Jones is probably going to get at least 30, the same, you know, it's going to get 35 million a year. Right. We'll probably get around. Yeah. Same, similar money, but you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's a lot of money for, you know, it, it says a lot when, cause I know Geno Smith made the pro Bowl and he considered he played good this year, but like, you know, the fact that he, he, he somehow carved out a career where he's getting a hundred million dollar contract. It says that's wow. Because I remember when the Cowboys gave Romo, Tony Romo over a hundred million before the market obviously changed vastly and drastically. I was like, wow, that's a lot of money for a quarterback. But now it's like second nature. It's like, Oh, hundred million dollars. No, no big deal. It's a quarterback. That's cheap. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just how crazy it's getting, Sean. And that's why someone has to do something at some point here. And I know the salary cap's going up and all that stuff, but this is ridiculous. Guys, how much money do you need? And when they turn around with this bullshit, I have to feed my family. What the hell are you feeding them? Gold, gold, gold covered oatmeal flakes? I mean, what the hell are you talking about? You got to feed your family. You already are a millionaire. You already are a millionaire. You're already a millionaire several times over. So don't start giving me the bullshit about you got to feed your family. That's why you're holding out to get 280 million as opposed to 200 million. Because I need that extra 80 million, man. Bullshit. I I mean, you can't think about putting yourself in their shoes, though. Like they feel like the market, the market is paying them that much money. They got to strike while the iron's hot. It sees the day type of thing. And they're like, Uh, you know, I'm I'm the problem. No. No, if I put myself in their shoes, Sean, not to interrupt you, but if, if I put myself in their shoes, I have to sit there and say, oh, my God. Yeah, but if someone's willing I, to I've pay got you hundred, much- I've got $100 million in the bank. I was playing in this league for five years, and for that five years, I've got over $100 million in the bank. I'll never have to work again a day in my life. My kids will never have to work again if they don't want to. I'm set up for generations. So whether they pay me $280 million next year or they pay me 180 million. What the hell am I worried about? That's what I would take. So I'm not buying any of that bullshit at all. I'm not having any of it. But that's just me. That's just me in my opinion. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Yeah, it's fine. Uh yeah, we talked we had this discussion on the show. I agree with you. It's getting a little ridiculous, but now I'm thinking, you know, the owners can afford it. They're willing to pay them. Uh the players got to get as much as they can, I guess, but you know, I like the players like well, Tom that Brady. Whole thing, the players I like the players like Tom Brady. I don't know about that, but go ahead. I like the I like the players by Tom Brady who sacrifice for the team. They'll take a little pay cut, um, so the team can sign a lot of good players. That's what well, Tom, Matt Brady, Mahomes did. Tom Brady Mahomes did, that, for did years. that too. Well, he took Mahomes a long, did. he took like a ten year contract, Mahomes or something like that. Yeah, I think that's the way they did it with him. They expanded, it, they extrapolated it out to like ten years and and so forth. But uh, and Brady did that only because his wife made more than he did. So that's but. Still, he did. You know what I mean? Because he still could, with this mindset that you just described, he could have still said, yeah, but I'm the best quarterback of football. And if he makes more than me over there on that team, I should make still make more than him because I'm better than he is. And that's what these guys are like little kids. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't buy any of that garbage about I have to feed my family bullshit and I got to get my bag and all that. I got your bag. Anyway, I just, I, it makes me sick. It absolutely makes me sick. I got no problem with these guys are the best at what they do in the world and they should be paid handsomely. And when these guys are already multimillionaires, multi-millionaires don't bitch and hold out for a contract because of this and this because you're holding out you're really pissed off do do, do you're making you know you're making 120 million a year and you should be making 150 you know 30 million dollars means something kiss my ass i don't i don't go for it i'm not going for it and that's one thing that i can't stand about these guys but anyway that's just my opinion i could be wrong 
your turn. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, that's a wrap up for the sports. Um, Joe, what do you have to say, buddy? Whiskey bottles and brand new cars. Oak tree, you're in my way. Peace. Take care.